Let's do some voice warm-ups, shall we? Yeah. Can everybody take your coat I've off, got George? A Brilliant. Well, look. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Let's everybody listen to Nick. We're gonna do this, you ready? <laughs> well done, Toby. And can you do this? <laughs> So, where are we right now? In the studio. In the studio? What's the studio, do you know? I know. What is it? What does it look like? House. <laughs> a little tiny house? Yeah. What's in the little tiny house? <laughs> Microphone. Yeah. Microphone. <laughs> what job do your mummies do? Voiceover. That's right. I know. What is my that? my mummy does work. <laughs> she does do work. Do you know what she does for work? Bobija. <laughs> Bobija. <laughs> Why do you think we do our jobs? Our voiceovers. So we can buy things for our children. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably yeah, that's about right. Listening to the voice of a social. Hello, you're listening to the voice of a social. I've still got their sweets in my pocket. Oh, what a brilliant situation. Right, shall we? Yeah, it's a love yeah, heart. Yeah, we'll just have one. We'll just have one to keep it's us going. It's a love heart. Great. What do I feel for you? Let's find out. This could be really, really awkward. It could be awkward. Just shut, 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 shut our eyes and get one. Yeah, and give it okay. to each other. Okay, so yeah, Nick, what I really want to say to you is you're my dream boy. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I do have, feel have a very like male energy today. Do you? Right. Only what I want to say to you is... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Still romantic. <laughs> Great. Well, good. I uh, did a very, 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 very interesting thing. Did you, Leah? What was it? It was, Nick, it was. So I'm predominantly a voice actor, but I had the opportunity to do a bit of directing. And I have done a bit of directing in the past, but not for a while. And so I was in the audio drama environment, directing a bunch of extremely talented actors. (gasps) Yeah. Directing actors. Directing actors. Oh, you got behind the glass. I did. And this is what I have to say about that. It ought to be mandatory Mm. for every actor and every voiceover to be on the other side of everything because otherwise if you don't see things from that side of things and about the decision making process and about what people are saying when the fader's down and in between takes of an audio drama and all that sort of thing then you are just constantly a feather in the wind susceptible to the whims of others whether they cast you or not how can you tell all you can do is just be great at what you do and hope for the best and send it out there Uh, and when you're in the studio all you can do is just give them a great take and hope that that's what they wanted and then what are they saying for three minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes what is going on on the other side and actually what i discovered is it's just things like what other versions do we want how is that going to fit in the context of the wider piece but I, I completely agree. I remember once when I was sat on the table at auditions for a production and it was tiny little things that you didn't think about as if when you were first an actor, you know, like don't stand too close to the table, smile when you walk in, try and be uh, grounded and, you know, stop pacing around a little bit. Maybe don't make completely intense eye contact with people because that's <laughs> terrifying. Um, so, yeah, you can learn a lot from the other side. Mm. And also I think it's really good for people's mental health, just having a bit of variation and feeling that you're part of the team as a whole, not just the tool to be used. I think it's it's useful. 
So this is uh, the episode of the podcast in which we have two guests. Two very high maintenance, very demanding. Dear God. <sighs> they, they say expect- don't work with, what, children and animals? Neither of them were children or animals. Are you Wait, who are you talking about? Oh. Oh, no, you were talking about the kids. <laughs> I was talking about the actual grown-up guests. Oh, God, I was like, oh, God, of- Nick, where are you going with this? <laughs> oh, dear. They're very, very important, professional, lovely people. Yeah, the people you interviewed are not high maintenance and demanding. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, I'm never going to work in this business again. <laughs> I was what? talking about the children that you heard earlier. <laughs> yes, no, the grown-ups. We've got two brilliant, amazing grown-up guests, one after the other. And the first one is Tracy Nampala. She casts and directs children in animation and she's worked on Noddy and Thomas the Tank Engine, among many, 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 many other things, both in the UK and for, and I'm not sure if I'm using this right, stateside audiences. Is that a right is that a right word? Yeah. Like people... Across the pond. I know, but I didn't Other feel... side of the world. Okay. The US of A. Exactly, exactly. So uh, normally we would abbreviate people's backgrounds for you. But Tracy and Ampala fully embrace the in a nutshell brief. So I think we can just let her do it herself. So I studied media production at Bournemouth Uni, specialised in sound, ended up doing all sorts of jobs, but, but used to write children's stories, sent a pilot for an animation to an animation company, ended up working for said animation company. It was the company that made the Mr Men. All of you are old enough, you remember that. Many, many years ago uh, and just fell in love with the whole idea of children's animation um, and also with the love of sound that I'd studied and specialised in. It was joining the two together. So there you are. And here is a little overview of the children's animation industry here in the UK. Probably about 10 years ago, the done thing was, in terms of budgets and schedules, you would have adults, usually women who can do children's voices, voicing the roles of children. Now everybody wants authentic children to sound like kids Um, you know that that's what everybody wants you have the charm you have that realism Um, and so the market is kind of saturated with all the preschool animations you have children as the main characters we want real kids sounding like real kids for our real kids that are watching so there's a big big market at the moment I think there's lots of animation work animation industries really picked up over the last few years and I think there are lots of roles out there for kids it's looking really good it's healthy so authenticity then that's an interesting angle yes. because how do you find your kids that sound like it so we do we have a mixture we, there's always the go-to agents that we use there's the go-to agents but depending on the brief you might want to also stretch further out so you you know there are lots of agencies there are lots of drama groups that are affiliated with agencies or there are just drama groups that are out there. And it depends what your brief is. We recently have been working on a project with, we want UK kids, but we want them to perform with a US accent. But they need to be able to act as well as providing a US accent. Or we might need a child that is bilingual, that can speak Spanish and do a US accent and can act as well. So sometimes you have to go a little bit further. We start with self-reads, we send briefs out. So the initial stage is the child would read the script at home, undirected, they'll just get a little brief and they will read the lines. Then we filter that through and think, hang on, who are we going to bring into the studio for shortlist castings? It's not always an obvious yes and no. There's always, I have my potential folder. Mm. So there's like, oh, hang on a second. There's something very interesting about that child. There were a few lines there that that was an unexpected delivery or they've got an interesting tonal quality to their voice. Let's bring them in. And what's really exciting is sometimes those potentials turn out to be 
absolutely amazing when you get them in the studio in the good old-fashioned days I would go to an agent's and I would have a script and I'd have my little dictaphone and I'd sit in a room and hundreds of kids would come in and out and it's a very time consuming process now it's so much easier and this is pretty standard with adults and children you get your brief you get your little sides your sample script you send that off to the agencies they send it out to the children the children can do it at home on an iPhone obviously with the adult wear sometimes reading in the other lines um, and then that little wav gets sent to us and it's just it makes it really accessible if the child's on holiday if they're out of the country you know they can do it when they come home from school before they're going to have their dinner it, it just makes it so much easier everyone's working remotely but when you're choosing people mm. that you want to send that script to to record mm. at home do you use a like a voice demo to to choose who you want to hear more from or yeah. do you ever listen to them uh, very rarely, to ah. be quite honest, because that won't be relevant to what we're looking for. The kids' kids' reels are very, very limited. Even if they have a reel, most children don't even have a voice reel. It's just not something they have because, A, they maybe haven't done any voice work before. Um, or what they've done is a commercial for cornflakes or a corporate video. And so it will be so far out of the realm of what we're looking for. We won't really, we can kind of gauge that, you know, maybe that we can gauge that they can act or we can hear the tones. They're not too young. They're not too old. Uh, but no, we would be very specific in terms of this is the age range, male, female, if there's an accent that we need to be focusing on. Um, so all those details go out to the agent. We might also have our ears on somebody. We may have spotted someone, like if I've watched a children's show with my kids, and there's always somebody that catches your eye, and you just think, oh, I bet they'd be fantastic for this role. So we will specifically pinpoint that one actor. But mainly with children's, we say to the agents, look, here's the brief, handing it to you. Please send me what you think would be relevant or who you think would be fabulous. The, so what did you call it? You call it something, I wrote it down, shortlist casting. So once yeah. you bring people in to that point, yeah. how, how, do you, how does that work? And also how do you sort of make sure that they're not freaking out? Okay, so what we do, are we quite friendly? We're a friendly bunch. So we will always bring the adult, the chaperone in with us at all times. A chaperone, if you're recording with a child, even for a casting, and I'm quite big on this, Usually I prefer to have the adult in the room as well so that they have eye contact with the child. Um, and we just try to keep them, you know, as relaxed as possible. We try and have a little bit of fun with them, a little bit of a chat. Time, some we have time constraints, so we've got lots of children coming in. We can't have too much of a chat. But um, I'll go in the booth with them as well because I think it's important, especially when they're younger, just so they almost feel like it's not them and us. There's not a whole load of room full of people watching somebody through the glass. I'll go in with them, read the other lines, um, and just trying to try and help guide them and build their confidence and have a little bit of fun as well with them in the booth. So hopefully it's not too overwhelming. I love the trend for kids being kids now. I think mm. it's, like she said, much more authentic and appropriate and interesting. And it's nice to give the chance, give the kids a chance, you know, they're the future. <laughs> Somebody I asked her particularly about was Louis Ashbourne Circus, who played Noddy in Noddy Toyland Detective. And I wanted to know at what point in that audition process did she know he was the right actor for the job? I'll be quite honest with you from the very first self-read. Wow. He, yeah, from the very first self-read, and I, I, there are some wonderful, very, very special children that you know within the first two seconds that you just think, yeah, 
fabulous great and I think it was just such a natural read almost kind of quite mature in a way because it was just totally believable a totally natural conversation it just was fabulous and you just kind of know it's a gut instinct isn't it you think oh my goodness that's pretty special that doesn't sound like that's just been read off a script and it's it's natural it's not over the top but there would have been other kids, I suppose, that, yeah. that you're also auditioning. Do you know what? Sometimes it's a tough call. It's, it's, it's often you will find a child that can act and is fabulous, but it doesn't always meet the criteria of the brief. You know, children of a certain age, we know that, you know, for instance, a, a load of 10-year-old boys, some of them will sound considerably younger. And so they may be fantastic actors, but they may sound like they're seven or, you know, the age won't be quite right. They'll either sound too young or they'll sound too old. And sometimes it's purely the logistics of that. And, and, and sometimes acting doesn't always come into it. We've had some shows where we've cast some of the lead kids and there's one final role. We could have someone who's an amazing, fantastic actor, but he sounds too similar to one of the other characters or he sounds too young and he's younger than the other characters and they're all supposed to be the same age. And as much as we love that child's ability and know they'd be fantastic, it just wouldn't work with the bigger picture in terms of balancing that jigsaw puzzle. So we've talked a lot about kids, mm. the littler end of kids. Yeah. But um, when it comes to working with teenagers, how mm. does your directing style adapt? Then, do you think? It's interesting, actually, because quite often I will start a series and I will go in the booth with the child and that works really well. And then actually I kind of think, you know what, I'm going to take a step back now because you need your own space. I don't want to feel like I'm, you know breathing looming. down your looming here as much as I love doing all the other silly voices when I'm in there uh, I kind of start to step back and just give them their personal space and so I'll come back and treat it like an adult record and just sit this side of the room and just give them that room to move around because there's always that physicality with any good actor they want to be moving their arms around as long as they're on mic they can you know they can spread out and and enjoy playing the part I think it makes them feel that little bit more independent and in control of their performance as well so I think with older kids it's nice to just step back give them that space and say right you do your thing I'm going to sit this side I'll just buzz in when I need to and that's quite fun have you ever had a teenager's a boy teenager's voice break while you're on a project <laughs> that is my worst nightmare mm. and we have this discussion in every show that I do because most shows will have uh, often a lead who is kind of in the cusp so they may probably yeah probably be that sort of 11 when we start and as we hit the end of that series they'll be hitting 12 13 if you're doing pickups any animation series takes over a year you know it's a big big worry and often it depends on the physicality of the child as well so we'll be very aware of that. I, I think there's always that kind of cut-off point. You know that oof, if you're in the 13 area, that's we need to get those pickups in quick. Let's get them in. Don't don't wait another year. Any pickups, let's get them in and do them because we know things move quickly. And the the, the sad thing about that is when you move to the second series, as much as as wonderful as that child was, and you just want to freeze them in that moment in time, you have to recast. I do feel sorry for, for boy actors because once they get past that 13, 
with girls I think their careers are still open they're still strong but for boys it's a lot more competitive it's a lot trickier yeah what would you say to them would be like a, a good idea to help them keep things ticking along until they're back in sort of adult world I think still kind of keep in because I think I think generally they would still be interested in drama you know they'd still be doing stuff at school they'd be in school productions I think it's still still keep fresh you know push your agent as well because there are roles out there you know whether it's theatre tv voiceover work there is still that opportunity so I still think it's it's just worth keeping your hand in Mm. um, and keeping those acting chops how reassuring for the parents to hear that sometimes it's not that your kid isn't good enough, it's that it's a very much a casting decision and out of their hands. Mm, and I imagine quite a lot of kids sound quite similar, so to get ones that sound different to each other. Ooh, Tough, yeah. yeah. So finally, I wanted to know how she gets the best possible performance out of a child once it's crunch time and they're in the booth. We don't want anyone to get bored in the booth. And so for kids, if we want a natural performance, sometimes you can overkill something, you can go over and over less experienced children will feel that if you're asking for they don't understand that if you're asking for more than one read that it's not that you're criticizing them or that they've done anything wrong it's just we do that with everybody you know we like to just play around see what happens i think it's just trying to make it fun and making it clear and we tend to try and move quite quickly like we'll say you know for all of our artists there's the line give me three options just give me three bing 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 just try it out just see what comes to mind that's great move on to the next line give me three bum, bum, bum. let's see and then they relax a little bit there's no it's that whole cliche of there's no right or wrong way to say anything and what I try not to do is ever to give a read and say say it like this sometimes you have to because sometimes there's a specific intonation and sometimes they don't always get that especially when they're younger that you know it needs to go up it's a question we need to have that you know um so I tend to not ask. I think it's quite insulting generally to, to say, repeat after me, unless the kids are quite young. So it's good to give them free reign and just say, how would you say that to your mate? You know, this is, we want this to sound like a conversation with you and your mates in the playground or around your house. How, how would you say that? Just, just try a few out, just have a bit of fun. Um, and I just think relax them as well. So um, and, and moving quite quickly so they feel like they're getting through it. And then if there's something you want to go back to, don't fixate on it. Just say, okay, now we'll come back. Because sometimes you, even when you've been in a room for a, you know, a couple of hours, you sometimes can't hear the wood for the trees. You just need to step back with a fresh pair of ears. Um, I think just have fun, have a read through as well. You know, I know on the the bigger shows, say for Noddy, you know, slightly longer scripts, we'd all sit here on the sofa. We'd get the parent or the chaperone to read in big ears, and you know, we'd get the sound engineer to read one of the roles, and we would just have a really fun. We'd do all the silly accents, all the silly voices, and they instantly are just relaxed. They know what's coming up. They know the story. They don't have to over prep it, but it just gets them relaxed. Um, and I just think it's yeah, it's just encouraging them to just have the confidence to play around with it. There's no hard, fast way of this line must be said in this direction. You want mm-hmm. it to be as authentic and as natural as possible. I think give them options to just play around with it. Let's just see what could happen. You know, let's go, okay, let's go bigger. Let's go sillier. Let's you know project it more, or you know let's make it smaller, you know, slightly more hushed, a bit more intimate. And I think you can throw that at them, and they'll understand that, and they'll interpret in their own way. And some of the best deliveries you get 
from kids you know you've got you've got in your mind how you want a lion to sound but they'll give you something completely random and completely different you think actually do you know what i'd never have thought of saying a line that way that's brilliant i love it um so uh, earlier on you will have noticed that tracy mentioned that she doesn't listen to reels which i was like flabbergasted by yeah. because so much of our business is you know real focused and we send it out we make it record it sometimes we spend a lot of money on it and then out it goes but i had a feeling they might be useful somehow or somewhere so we also spoke to Joanne Lamb. Hi, Jo. Hi, Jo. <laughs> she runs the Child Voices website and also manages Tiny British Voices, which is the kids' roster of the Great British Voices Voiceover Bureau. Anyway, here's her take on the whole child demo business. I actually send reels out quite often to producers. Um, but I don't think there's any hard or fast rule, certainly when it comes to kids. My recommendation would be a couple of commercials, radio commercials, and then something emotive like a poem or a little little tiny snippet of a kid's story something uh, obviously for their age range uh, that they can sort of give their awe to it really um it, it doesn't have to be much it really doesn't so yeah a couple of 30 seconds or maybe even a bit shorter and then a little snippet from something that shows that they've got uh, range and, and they can do other things other than be yeah jazz hands you know the fact is what they want to know is can the kids read and deliver something and I think you can absolutely get a good idea of how well that kid's going to do from that maybe not you're just oh welcome to Joe Bloggs engineering or whatever but something funny you know kids they do funny stuff and cheeky stuff I love those when they come onto reels love listening to that great so that's nice to hear it from an agent's perspective as well then because yeah. of course you're not just sending to casting directors are you it might be producers or business to business or you know a, a lot of us with home studios with kids they'll probably work straight with clients that we already know who and may a, randomly need a kid yeah and if an agent is looking to um get some extra children on their roster then they're going to need something to hear what they sound like anyway yeah yeah she says it needs to be just natural voices as well so no doing any extra accents or anything unless it's for like a bespoke demo obviously uh, and they should be doing a new one this often a new demo uh-huh. oh probably every six months or something she says every year at the very minimum she mm. says because both boys and girls voices change so much so quickly even before you get into the whole boys breaking voices territory and their ability to handle language Yes, of Their ability course, to read yeah. is going to change too, isn't it? We know that from our two. Mm, hadn't thought about that at all. Um, so uh, she said, what did she say? How to get a great read out of a kid when you're recording at home. So obviously everyone's different, but she told me what she does with hers. Little ones, read and repeat. And you can do it, like, you know, when people say to you, oh, can you just give us three versions of, of whatever? You can do that. Just read it again. Oh, just try it this way. And they read and repeat again the way that you want them to re- to change the inflections or whatever and um, keep it fun keep it relaxed you've got to keep it relaxed otherwise they get embarrassed or if they if they know they're failing that's when we have problems I try and crack jokes it can be hard as a parent because they don't always respond to us as well as they would uh, over ISDN for example I know that sometimes other producers can get a better result than I can and then also George especially so, for example, he might want to try it on his own. And one occasion, for sure, I sent the audio over to the... It was a radio commercial. I sent the audio over to the producer. I said, right, I've done one and he's done one. And when I say about I've done one, I've prompted him and read and repeat. Then he's done it on his own. And they ended up using the one of his that he did on his own. And again, it's raw and it's their sort of interpretation of it. 
when they go on um go up to a studio normally the producers or, or and engineers especially the engineers are, i think are probably more mission critical they're great because they know they're dealing with children and they make it fun for them and, and they joke and they're cool and the kids love it because they're going out to a studio and it's all very exciting anyway and um, sometimes they get nervous but you know once they get through it they normally coerce them with sweets or you know whatever just to try and relax them or give them free stuff and it's lovely I've only ever once I think had a problem where it was Harriet that went up and the director was awful she didn't have a clue. She wasn't personable. They just kind of shoved her into this room. There was no kind of like, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. This is so-and-so. We'll be looking after you today. She's just like, yeah, you go in there. And we came in and sat down into the, the engineering bit. And um, she was off into the booth on her own. They didn't even follow her in. She had to do it all herself. It was so skewed and odd even I would never have expected that as an adult. You normally get the engineer come in with you, make sure you're okay. But no, and that's a company that um, deals with kids a lot. So I was really shocked with that. You know, you kind of sit there and you listen, you're like, no, you're not getting the best out of my kid at all. She can do better than that. Oh God, one time George went up and it was I think it was his first ever job and he went up to London and they all, there was all these people, there was seven people, you know, glass bowl type thing, watching him. He was petrified and he started crying, actually. It was awful. And they ordered ice cream and they all sat there in front of him eating all this ice cream and he literally just broke down. They didn't give him any what? ice cream. I thought the end of that was going to be they ordered ice cream to no. make him feel better. No. They all ordered ice cream and they didn't give the kid any ice cream. Any ice cream. Oh, my gosh. This is one of the saddest stories I've heard ever. Oh, yeah. God love them. Poor kid. So a very important thing, Joe said, we needed to talk about when I got in contact that hadn't even occurred to me, actually, is licensing. So getting a license for a child to work is free. So that's nice, isn't it? Um, and generally, the only time you have to pay is if you want an extra fast turnaround. But that then costs 20 quid. And if you're getting a license each time the kid's doing a job and that job's a £21 radio commercial, then it's a terrible nightmare and a complete waste of time. And the reason why I know this is because Joe obviously, told me all about it, but then I had to take that bit out because it was so sweary. She was like, <laughs> Good on you, Joe. <laughs> anyway, she's come up with a solution, so I will let her tell you all about it. The minefield that is licensing. Every child who works and gets remunerated for that work, regardless of that remuneration, be it a £10 book token or be it £10,000, has to be licensed. I know that there are people that send people in and say, oh, forget about it, we'll, you know, we'll pretend you did an audition. No, that's not going to cut the mustard. If you get caught, it's not the agent, in inverted commas, who gets done, it's the production company that gets done, and they'll get fined. So you have to be careful. There... The licences vary depending on your council. That's where you get it through from the child employment team of the council. It's the, the location of the child. It's your home council and they will look after it. Um, I'm very blessed with Surrey. They are superb, absolutely superb. And most of the others are as well. Normally, for, for my kids, I get an email in the morning and, oh, you know, can we have Harriet or whatever tonight? Yep, not a problem after school. Um... And then it's that quick, so maybe even a few hours. Now, if I had to apply for a, a, a licence each and every time that 
my child wanted to be used on a radio commercial, it, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't happen. So what I do with Surrey County Council, I have um, a license in place where it's for a six month period for each of them. And I have to keep Surrey County Council up to date as to when my children work. But they are licensed to work from my home studio. And that's it. If they were needed to go up to London, for example, to a different studio, then whoever is in charge would need to get a license for them to go to London or wherever to do it from a different studio. Even if my studio broke and I wanted to come to your studio, I'd have to get a different license. But for, for working from home purposes, we've got a six month um you can't call it a rolling license because it isn't because I have to reapply. So, but it's six months, and then I keep Surrey County Council up to date as to what jobs they do, and then not allowed to do any more than twenty jobs, I think it is, in that six month period, and they don't. But on the license, that I'm the parent, I'm the employer, so that's the main difference. I'm the imp- in in that situation, I'm the employer, so it, it's my license for that child. That's really useful. And does that mean if they're going, I suppose that means if they're going to a studio to work for another production company, the license is that production company's responsibility? Exactly. Right, yeah. So, oh, that's something to investigate. Mm -hmm, Definitely, definitely. Uh, Oh, yes. Also, one little tiny extra thing. Jo says she's running out of little ones because they keep growing up. So, if you're, she said, a professional voiceover with a home studio with a kid who's into it, uh, like can mimic you and can change inflection and all those sorts of things, uh, then you know who to call. Yeah. Gotta go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Louie. I play Noddy in Noddy Toyland Detective and you're listening to The Voice Over Social. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad to be in the, the panic, panic room. room. Hi, safe. The whole Hugh. point of panic rooms is they keep you safe. Keep I you feel safe. like it's not clear. It's you don't panic clear. when you're in the panic room. You no. panic if you're outside the panic room. We have nailed yeah, this yeah, now. Yeah, got it. Yes. Here's your latest panic, Nick. Okay. I've got a really soft, soft palate. So essentially, if I say words like client or close, there's a in there. So... I'm just wondering if there's any way I can possibly like move my mouth to move around that type of... I don't even know what to actually call it. Ah, the soft palate. It's like the... Um, the. It was described to me once as the naughty kid at the back of the class who you have to keep an eye on, and if you don't keep an eye on them and like keep reminding them to do the work, they'll just sit there and do absolutely naff all. Oh, no. And depending on the accent, particularly northern accents, like this specimen, who I know is from Bolton (laughs) I think maybe I don't know sounds like Bolton it's Bolton (laughs) (laughs) anyway um, uh, northern accents have a little bit of a lower soft palate generally in terms of setting for the the northern accents you get more more of that like nasal spill through the nose Um, so that's what's happening here with with this person it's that the soft palate is sitting habitually slightly lower um, so it's probably maybe not doing as much as it could on those velar consonants k and g velar as in of the velum that's the fancy term for soft palate so what this person needs to do is um, a bit of soft palate energising and sort of I suppose toning work really and the way to do that is with the k and the g sound Um, so when you make Leah when you make a k and a g can you feel if you slow it down so as if you're you're going to make a k Uh And you can sense that you're going to make it, but you don't quite release the sound. So you kind of anticipate the sound, 
can you feel something coming together at the back? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the soft part and the tongue coming together. Uh-huh. Back of the tongue. Then what happens with the plosion or the explosion of the air, because it's a plosive sound, is k. So what we need to do is energize that release phase. So instead of k as in car, you might get car. So it's a little bit more energetic. Car. So you can use k and g, obviously, because it's from that area. Uh, and the best way to do it is literally either uh, articulation drills, a bit of an archaic term, but articulation practice with vowels. So you could go ka, ke, ki, ke, ka, ko, ku, ko. Ka, ke, ki, ke, ka, ko, ku, ka. Yeah, ga, ge, gi, ge, ga, go, ku, go. Ga, ge, gi, go. No, I've lost it. No, it's gone. <laughs> okay. It was a lot. Um, but what you want to focus on is doing it nice and slowly at the start, feeling that contact just before the release. And then releasing it nice and energetically and lightly. So not with loads of force. You don't want like ka and ga. You want like ka, ke, ki, ke, ka, ko, ku, ko. As if you're kicking the soft palate. I'm going, oh, you, stay up there. Ga, ge, ki, ge, ga, go. Leo's looking at me weird because I'm flicking my finger in the air next to my face but I'm quite like a kinesthetic learner so um, what I'm doing is sort of representing for me my tongue and my soft palate and it's telling my brain to keep that bounce nice and light and then what you can do is take a piece of text you know really well like a nursery rhyme and you can go um, so if I use ba ba black shape ga 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 gi and you use the vowels from the nursery rhyme. Then you use the whole of the words from the nursery rhyme except the start. So you get ga, ga, gak, geep, gav, gu, geni, go. Again, <laughs> focusing on that nice closure and that lovely light bounce, kicking the soft palate up. And then the idea would be to go back to all of the words. But every time the cut and the gu, the velar or the soft palate plosives come up, you're a little bit more aware of kicking it up. So you go, ba, ba, black sheep, have you any wool? There's not many in that. Yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags, three bags full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that just teaches the soft palate to be a little bit more energetic. But the moral of the tale is just keep checking in on the wee fecker because <laughs> sometimes, fecker, because sometimes it gets a bit lazy. Yeah. And other things that are really nice to incorporate in your warm up would be stretching, stretching, um, so you could yawn at the start of your warm-up to stretch the soft palate. Maybe if your voice gets a bit tired, if it's a long-form narration, do a few yawns throughout just to stretch things out. If it's getting tired, it might help some release. So there might be a bit of tension back there, maybe. So that's another thing. Great. Great. Two big things. Phew. Fantastic. Let's leave the panic room. Yes, and, and get panic back out about there. something else outside. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, no. But first of all, thank you. I have two thank yous to Katie from London and JDG70. I love JDD70. They're like my favourite of all the 70s. Yeah, it's the best one. Yeah. Um, because uh, they gave us a review. They What's wrote, that? They wrote, well, it was, it's a delightful <laughs> collection of words um, all about the podcast. And you too can do that and make us this happy by going to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, uh, I believe, are currently the places where you can leave reviews for the podcast. And that helps people find us. And that's really great. And we were at a podcast festival yesterday called Pods Up North. Because we're it was very great. professional and we care loads. Super pros. Uh, and we learned what, Nick? What did we learn? We learned that if you listen to us on Spotify, please make sure you click follow. I would go further than that. 
I would go so far as to say it doesn't matter whether you listen to us on Spotify. <laughs> uh, you can get Spotify for free. Please access Spotify for free. Set yourself up an account if you don't already use it in some way or other. And then press follow on the podcast anyway, because that will also help people find us because they've got this whole algorithm going on and it sends us into people's what's-its. I was getting really confused there because I was like, well, if they're not listening to us, how are they going to know what you're saying? Because they won't hear it, but they might be listening on a different yes, platform. Yes, many another platform. Oh, God, you're so sneakily. I love it. Sneaky. Oh, so dirty. Um, uh, also, the other thing you can do, which I forget to tell people, is that um, if you go to our website, which is www.thevosocial.com, uh, you can sign up to the newsletter there very easily and it will send you out news about the podcast and about the socials and discounts and the occasional competition. Yeah. Mm. If you don't do that, you're silly. It's silly. Silly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and missing out. Yeah, just missing out. Yeah. FOMO? MOMO? You'll have Lomo? Fear, fear of missing out on a newsletter. FOMOOL. <laughs> Famual. Famual. Famol. Famual. You don't want Famol, man. Nobody wants that. No millennials, no baby boomers, not any generation. I hope there's cream for it. Yes, I expect there is probably Ouch. by now. Modern medicine and all that. Um, well, anyway, uh, I should probably mention that I've been Leah Marks. And I've been Nick Redman. And we are the VO, VO Social. Social. Great. Seriously, do you want some cream for that rash? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> Together till the end of the Microphones. <laughs> Microphones. <laughs>